Well, it's November 9th, 2016, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, entrepreneurship, and general geekery. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. To kick off today's show, we'll hear about a couple of upcoming events. Good old Rod Hinman is going to join us by phone from the Big Island to provide us with an update on the Kona Science Cafe. Then, we'll be joined by Jim Muller from the AFCEA, which is the Armed Forces Communication and Electronics Association, to tell us about their upcoming event, TechNet 2016. And then after the break, we'll talk to Virtual Fantasy League and Giraffe Fantasy Football, a couple of companies in the latest Blue Startup cohort, and it's all about the fantasy football online gaming world. We always welcome your comments and questions as part of the conversation. You can contact us by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. Well, first up, we want to welcome Rod Hinman all the way from all the way from Kona, and he's joining us by phone, and he's here to tell us about the sort of the regular Kona Science Cafe lineup. Welcome to the show, Rod. Uh, thank you. Good evening, gentlemen. Well, thanks. Uh, so, what's uh, you guys had a pretty uh, you know pretty regular run these past couple of months with some interesting topics, and I know you got something scheduled for uh, November and December. But uh, so, tell us a little bit about uh, what do you have on tap. Yeah. Um, so coming up next Monday, um, we're going to have a presentation by Don Moore, who's the operations manager at NELHA. So as um, many of your listeners probably are familiar, NELHA is the Natural Energy Laboratory of Hawaii Authority, you know, long name you can see what I call NELHA, where um, some energy, ocean thermal energy conversion research has been done and is still going on. And as part of that, they have pipelines to go out into the ocean with the surface and some go down deep, 2,000 to 3,000 foot deep. And um, so Mr. War uh, went out in um, some submersibles, and every once in a while they need to check on the condition of the pipes. So they um, contracted with University of Hawaii to use one of their manned submersibles that they went out and dove on the pipe three times two weeks ago. So what are they What are they actually doing? They're doing... They're, uh Using the submersible to to do maintenance work, or or are they actually researching something? Uh, at this point, it was just inspection. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they did any main, actual maintenance work, but they were just checking to make sure that the condition of the pipes was uh, was in good working order. That they hadn't cracked or um, gotten away from their moorings or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Now, Rod, I was recently on the Big Island uh, for a event for agricultural specialists. They're called uh, – suddenly the name escapes me, but they toured Nelha. And, you know, mm-hmm. since the last time I was out there, it was a very impressive facility with a number of different tenants doing a number of different things, all focused in the energy space, the deep water research space, everything from consumer products to raising, you know, seafood to certainly research on renewable energy. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, you have been working with uh, Nelha. I think your or your company is a, one of the tenants there? No, actually, um, I did some work or as a consultant for a company that was a tenant for a while. I see, I see. So, I mean, uh, you previously organized a group, I think it was like the Tech Pau Hana, um, and, mm-hmm. this, and, the, and the Kona Science Cafe is the more caffeinated, more uh, cool and clever, I would imagine, name of that sort of meetup series. But uh, mm-hmm. what, what for those who are new to Kona Science Cafe, I mean, how would you characterize the group and its new branding? It's, um, I, th- I think the brand, uh, the branding is a little different, but the, 
the purpose is still the same. It's to, to build a little bit of community in the sort of science and technology community here in Kona. Um, the, the format that we have, you know, monthly um, presentation, something, you know, kind of the same kind of topics that you cover in your show. Um, and um, and then afterwards we have um, potluck poo-poos and, and uh, drinks for people who want to stick around and ask the speakers more questions or meet with the uh, other people who are, who showed up to, to uh, listen to the presentation. So, so um, Rod, I was wondering, are you in any way, let's say, uh, affiliated or, or influenced by the, the Honolulu Science Cafe? Um, only in the name. Okay. And that, that there is a, a national organization um, of science cafes. But um, other than that, not, not directly, no. Now, so what I think is interesting is, although Nelha, the Nelha Gateway Center there, has hosted these events um, for for years, um, this is one of those uh, presentations coming up where the uh, where that facility itself will be kind of the topic of the day. That's correct. Yep. Now you were um, mentioning you were mentioning that this work that they are doing on this pipeline. I, I um I, I was going to ask you what is the pipeline is it is it drawing seawater into Nelha for some some uh, sort of cold deep ocean work uh, you know, with is. that water? It is yes. Uh, there are three different pipelines that go out um, at uh, at different de- or deep water. There's one that's 18 inches diameter, one is 40 inches diameter. I think the last one's 55 inches diameter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they draw up the water to. The, the pipes were put in primar- initially for uh, ocean thermal energy conversion research. Mm. So using the, utilizing the temperature difference between the warm surface seawater and the cold deep seawater mm-hmm. to, to turn a thermal engine just like, just like a steam engine, except it's very low temperature difference and, and low pressure. But in addition to the energy, there's certainly a lot of other uses that uh, tenants are coming up with with that very deep water that's being brought to Exactly, shore. yes. There's... Um, there's a company, Kona Cold Lobster, that's using cold water just to rest lobsters when they're flying from Maine to, to Asia. There's um, there are companies that are um, using it to um, to grow shrimp broodstock. So shrimp that would be then used to breed shrimp for other other uh, operations um, and a bunch of other things like that. And uh, you know the the stage at which some of those companies are. Does Nelha function kind of more as a incubator, as an incubator, or are they pretty much at a at a commercial production level? It's sort of an incubator. Uh huh. And in fact, they recently renovated uh, one of their buildings to make some more office space mm. for uh, for newer startup companies. Now, so that event is coming up on uh, uh, Monday, the 14th, but uh, we also wanted to give you an opportunity to preview uh, an event next month so people can plan ahead, uh, mm-hmm. specifically for, I believe it's the Keala Kehe uh, students, correct? Uh, that'll be January. Oh, January. Okay. It'll be January, yeah. So in January, it'll be a, um, a robotics fest. Um, it's in the middle of the, um, the first robotic season. And uh, so the students will be right in the middle of their uh, of their design, and uh, be, we call it a design review. It's not really a design review in the, in the classical sense, but it um, gives them an opportunity to uh, present what they've thought of so far and maybe get a little bit of feedback from people. And it's both um, 
in the past, it's been both Kalakahe High School and um, a Soy Exploration Academy, a small charter school, actually on the Nilhaw campus. Right. Our, in fact, uh, during our visit uh, with my startup, Smart Yields, we went to visit that school to see all of their great project-based learning and you know, mm-hmm. trying to see if there was a way for sensors to help them with their agricultural initiatives. But again, very impressive. Is there an event next month? Yeah. Isn't there a screening of uh, the, the program called uh, Most Likely to Succeed? Oh, yes. That's actually... Yeah, that's actually an event that I put on my my list that's happening at KLK. Hey, that's that's their own event. Oh, I see, I see. Well, I don't think any uh, any responsibility or credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we're demonstrating is but, yeah, that they're they're screening a um, um, a film most likely to succeed as part of their STEM. Uh, a STEM exhibition. Right, and we know many evangelists of that particular film. If you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. Well, I think what we're demonstrating is that Kona Science Cafe is a hub of great events taking place and focusing on science and technology on Hawaii Island. If somebody wants to, quote-unquote, join or basically sign up for the newsletter to know what's going on, how can they go about doing that? You can go to konasciencecafe.org. Very good, and I appreciate your calling in and sharing what's going on on the Big Island. We we know that there's all kinds of tech things happening all across the entire state. So thanks, Rod, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Always good to hear from Rod. And, of course, next up we have uh, Jim Muller from AVSEA, and he is here to talk about TechNet 2016. And, of course, we want to welcome you, Jim, to uh, Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good, good. So... Tell us a little bit about FCA. Um, you know, FCA has been around for quite a while, and it's it's you know this armed forces uh, electronics show. Uh, but in your words, what is FCA? So FCA International is the larger organization, and our group here is FCA Hawaii. Uh, we formed back in 1953. Mm-hmm. Uh, FCA International formed a little further back, about 70 years. So they they actually just had their seventh anniversary. Um, FC Hawaii, we have 800 members. It's uh, Armed Forces Electronics Communication Association. It's essentially a partnership where we have uh, monthly luncheons, where we have industry meet with uh, government leaders, and uh, we get together, we talk about a certain subject, a presentation, and it allows them to kind of come together, uh, present problems, and then industry tries to present solutions or work in a partnership to do that. Uh, FC Hawaii also has uh, networking events and socials. Uh, we have a very... Uh, strong, uh, we call them yaks. They're the young FCNs, but this organization's wow. a little older. So if you're <laughs> under 40, you're considered young. Uh-huh. Um, and our yak organization's been partnering with uh, some of the community colleges um, to uh, talk with te- tech, uh, people that are studying technology, um, STEM. We have a educational foundation as well. And uh, just this year, actually, we gave out over $80,000 uh, in scholarships for students that are uh, pursuing STEM types of education. And then at the end of each year, we have a large uh, technology conference. It's uh, TechNet Asia Pacific. This is our 31st year, and uh, we have hundreds of vendors come down, and uh, we discuss cyber issues, cyber threats, uh, other technologies that can assist the government or the Department of Defense. And we have uh, a couple panels each each day and some uh, education units. So we'll have uh, CEUs for those that are pursuing uh, or already have their certifications. certifications. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, uh, I think I think we have like over nine of them uh, this year alone. So when, when you, um, I know, I, you made the uh, clarification that TechNet Asia Pacific is something that uh, happens across the country and it's, it's regional, right? So Asia Pacific is Hawaii and there are other TechNets across the country. 
Correct. So the Asia-Pacific one is the largest event in the Pacific Rim, uh, focused on regional defense issues, uh, cybersecurity threats, and uh, technology as a whole. Mm -hmm. And who are... Normally, who are the attendees to the uh, TechNet program? Uh, so you have individuals that are in industry, government, um, and Department of Defense. And again, it's, it's kind of that flavor, all three of those uh, groups that will come to attend, where they'll check out different vendors, exhibits, and uh, the panels and the discussions. Um, and those, uh, those vendors, it's ranging from uh, Hewitt Packard Enterprise to Level 3 Communications, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, AT&T, Brocade, uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft, all the all the big names in tech will be there uh, to demonstrate their technology that they have, their solutions to some of the government problems or some solutions just for business and other industries. So uh, small and large uh, businesses and owners will attend this type of a conference, uh, again, for some of the networking benefits, mm-hmm. but essentially to see what's coming and what is the latest and greatest out there. Uh, learn about different threats to uh, to their networks or things that they should be doing or thinking about um, as technology continues to mature. Now, those are certainly impressive names. When you talk about small to medium businesses, I imagine you mean local businesses. Is there an opportunity for local technology companies that work in this space to to also be showcased? Are they part of the program or are they the primary merely uh, an audience? Uh, both local and and large industry uh, attends the conference. Either has their own exhibits or their own booths and uh, participate. Obviously, the organization is is a hybrid. So you have some uh, individuals that are in the government that are part of the organization, part of the leadership team. But then you have a lot of people that are just part of local industry here that make up the volunteers that put together the conference and uh, organize it and marketing it, and then. Uh, help develop the panels that we have. So in, in your role as uh, the president of FC Hawaii, how are you involved with putting together this conference? So we, we actually have a, a director this year, Cynthia, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Cynthia. And then what we have is uh, regular meetings. We have a couple meetings each month. Uh, we have some planning committees. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, my role is to essentially make sure everybody gets to those uh, planning committees or we uh, look for volunteers. I also... Um, I, ha- I do the website for FC of Hawaii specifically, so putting together a volunteer form so we have uh, the ability for people to sign up and register uh, to contribute their time and uh, register for the different events. Um, and obviously during the monthly luncheons that we have, uh, we'll have a guest speaker. Sometimes it'll be uh, somebody from industry or we had the state of Hawaii CIO, Todd. Mm-hmm. They came by and one was uh, one of our speakers this month, but we, then we'd also have a four-star commanding officer. Uh, for a command like PACOM or Compact Fleet that'll do a presentation mm-hmm. and uh, introducing the the speakers and then having that dialogue. What are some of the what are some of the uh, topics that you might cover during uh, TechNet uh, Asia Pacific? So there's going to there's a number of topics there. We'll have uh, things ranging from the Internet of Things, um, uh, host-based security systems. Uh, we'll have topics on emerging leadership, emerging threats, cyber threats uh, that are in the region of Hawaii, but uh, also the larger region of the Pacific as a whole. Um, and some of the topics will range about the challenges that the government would have or, or the uh, industry would have or uh, some of the opportunities to bring those uh, bring those things together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this conference, although you talk, it's clearly uh, a growing and thriving and quick-changing space in terms of the nexus of of military technology and consumer technology and business technology, this is an event that is I would, is open to the ba- the business community. Whether they're looking for opportunities, just trying to advance their own understanding of the industry, it's a it's a fairly open net that you're casting. It, it is. There's, so there's there's attendees coming from all over the world. Uh, we have uh, individuals coming from as far as the East Coast and then in Japan and Australia, and um, 
and they'll they'll come to present either their solutions to some of these these problems that we have these constant uh, cyber attacks and cyber threats, um, or they'll come to just see what other people have. Mm-hmm. And you have a also a, a section of this uh, exhibit which is dedicated to STEM innovation. Could you speak a little bit about that? It is. So we, we work with the local schools and communities. We have hmm. the robotics teams that will come out and they'll demonstrate the, um, uh, the robotics that they the, – the challenges that they built this year mm-hmm. uh, and, what, and showcase them. Um, our education foundation uh, is an outreach that we work with the local colleges here. Um, we don't do just the colleges here, but we also look to uh, the students that are leaving island. But we have a bigger focus on the students that are going to stay here in Hawaii uh, and they're going to be studying science, technology, engineering, or math. And, uh, of course, the computer, computer science is a, is a large aspect of that. And then trying to uh, build, that, build that brain trust here and keep mm-hmm. them in mm-hmm. Hawaii. And, of course, uh, cybersecurity has always been something that is of interest. And I know that's part of a, a big feature of the, uh, the, the conference. Uh, you know, we've had a number of shows not only from a cybersecurity, let's say, uh, program like uh, Gen Cyber or Cyber Patriot, but uh, there's a there's a large uh, effort under sort of the workforce development arena to to build the expertise in cybersecurity. So I, I noticed that you guys are going to have some demonstrations on that as well. We we are we so part of the CEUs that we'll ha- be having there. Um, we'll cover things like the common access cards and the host based security intrusion. But uh, next gen cyber technologies is an industry panel that we're going to have, and that's going to be. Uh, some of the leader, leadership focus on how how we continue to build that uh, mm-hmm. that talent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and certainly there. very timely with the Internet of Things attacks mm-hmm. that brought down some major sites just a couple of weeks ago. So I can imagine there'll be some insights there as well. So if somebody was interested as well, are there still seats available for this uh, event, the there uh, is, TechNet? There is. Registration is still open. If you did a search uh, for TechNet uh, Asia Pacific, you'll be able to find the website very quickly. Uh, for students, it's uh, free attendance, and then mm. uh, the prices change depending if you're uh, in industry or government. Excellent. Very good, very good. And so, we'll put the link to the official site on our show notes at bitemarkscafe.org. Very Thank good. You. And, of course, Jim, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And, of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by the e-gaming fantasy football team of, uh, well, Gary Yu is going to, I mean, uh, David Yu is going to be joining us along with Sam Gigi. That's right. And what makes these online games so popular and what's the business model for these startups? We'd, of course, love your thoughts or questions as part of the conversation. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live here in the studio. You can tweet us your questions at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. Nicole Rocklin, the Oscar-winning producer of the movie Spotlight, is in Hawaii to talk with students about the growing role of women in Hollywood, and singer-songwriter Rachel Flowers, the subject of the new documentary Hearing is Believing, will talk of the challenges she has overcome in her career. That's tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. NPR's From the Top with host Christopher O'Reilly returns to Hawaii Island for a live taping on November 30th. HPR presents the show at the Lunalilo Center on the Kamehameha School's Hawaii campus, featuring some of the school's students in an original Hawaiian language opera. See From the Top live in Keao before it airs nationally. Visit hawaiipublicradio.org for more. Supported in part by the Hawaii Youth Symphony. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Nohea Gallery and Straub Clinic and Hospital. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are David Yu and, well, Luki Gigi. <laughs> and, of course, David <laughs> is the chief executive officer of a company called Virtual Fantasy League, and he's part of the Blue Startups Cohort 8. Also part of that cohort is uh, Chief Operating Officer at Draft Fantasy Football, uh, Luki, and he is also one of the company. they're also one of the companies in that cohort. And, of course, we'd love to hear your comments and questions. And, of course, that number to call is 941-3689 on, on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Great. Thanks thank you very us. much. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, we will start off with a very, very basic question, and that is, what is it that, what business are you guys in? It's not really e-sports. What is the business that you folks are in? David, we'll, we'll, so, we'll, okay, um, we'll look you. We'll yeah, talk. so I'll start off, I mean, based on our two companies, um, I think that we would call myself the purist, right? Absolutely. Um, so what we deal with is uh, a space called fantasy sports. Okay. Fantasy sports, um, if you don't know what it is, it's very hard. <laughs> but if you do know what it is, you absolutely love it. And it's become, I mean, it, it's swept America. Um, it's, for me, it's, it's, we see it sweeping England and Europe. And basically what it is, is it's managing your own football team. So imagine that you were the coach of a team and you were able to pick who you wanted to start each week. And you would pick your players and they don't necessarily all have to be from one team. So let's say in basketball, right? Um, it's a big sport in Hawaii, I guess. <laughs> you guys watch the Warriors. So let's say that I want to pick up Steph Curry. Um, let's say David wants to pick up, um, you know, LeBron James from Cleveland. You could pick up Kyrie Irving, okay? And then you build a full team. What about Michael Jordan? I mean, <laughs> Well, Michael Jordan is not in the league anymore. I know, I know. So you can't pick him, right? Because <laughs> well, you could pick him, but you wouldn't get any points. <laughs> so it wouldn't be really worth okay, it. Okay. It'd be like picking Burt Lum for your basketball team. Well, that's not because I'm retired. That's because I don't even play. <laughs> the stats, this, but the stats don't exist. Well, so this is helpful because we're going to make fantasy radio, though. Also, so all right, all right, okay. In. And yeah, you got me signed up. Guys, for that. draft me first. Okay, so David, you know, we we broadly tried to approach this topic. We needed to be schooled on it because, yeah. as you can tell, Bert and I are very athletic. So we <laughs> we described it as esports, and that was one thing that we quickly learned. Esports and fantasy sports are two different things. Esports. You are the you are the the player is the competitor, but it, the 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 platform the game is the contest. And when you're talking about fantasy sports, it's more basing some sort of contest best based on existing sports. Have I differentiated that correctly? Yeah, that's very close. So uh, fantasy sports, uh, like Luki was saying, is basically you pretend you have your dream team. Now, when you do choose those athletes, um, you base their performance, you know, around that. In esports, you are the athlete. So as you compete yourself or or that other gamer, the gamers are the athletes versus you know athletes. Okay, that, that's the exact it. comparison. It. But it's the same. There's fantasy scoring involved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically, when you're playing the video game, how many guys you kill, 
et cetera, et cetera. Those That's are the statistics. Yeah. Those translate into, oh, in, in a sport, that would be a touchdown mm-hmm, or, or that mm-hmm. would be this. So now, it's the same thing. No, David, uh, Lukey sort of self-described his uh, company as a purist. Now, what is it that you do that might differentiate yourself from, you know, what draft fantasy, draft fantasy football might do? Uh, yeah, we're on the opposite end. So we're doing something that's never been done before. Okay. So basically, we're gamifying fantasy sports. We're making it simpler to play, uh, e- easy to learn, highly social. So we've actually turned, using gamification, we're actually going the other way. So basically, we're in- increasing the chances of things happening. So think of like poker with wild cards. So now you can play a game, and now there's more variety of what can actually happen. You can get more in your hand. So the purist is always going to try to predict most accurately what is exactly going to transpire in the real-world event of that game. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is we're taking that, that real-world event and then we're gamifying and saying, now what if we could give Tom Brady an extra 20 yards? Or what if you could you know, give Steph Curry two extra three-pointers? How would that actually change the score? So we're, we're actually uh, creating a platform to make it accessible to everybody. So now kids can play. It has nothing to do with wagering real money. So it's a totally different angle on, on the entire genre. Okay, well, well you're kind of jumping to the business model, and I, I want to delve a little bit more into that. Now, with, with uh, Luki, with your um, you know, application, you are picking real-world sports figures, and the performance of those sports figures are going to be directly linked to how they perform in the sport that they're, you know, they're playing in, right? Yeah, so um, I think it's uh, important to start out that we are in the football world. And when mm-hmm. I say football, I don't mean the NFL. I mean soccer, um, primarily the Premier League. We have games also for – we have a game for the MLS, and we did one for the Euros. Um, but we're primarily in the Premier League. So what that means is, is that you – yeah, exactly – you pick up players, and how they do in their actual game is the points that you get. Um, so what we actually have done, have done is we've brought the American style to the British market. Um, there are basically two styles of playing fantasy sports. There's draft and there's salary cap. And in America, everybody plays draft, but in the U.K., salary cap was the standard and the only um, real way of playing until we entered the market. Um, so let me break that down a little. And I, I will admit that thanks to my coworkers, I've played fantasy football, but it was really throwing darts at a dartboard, and I just copied <laughs> what other people did. But, it you know, Yahoo is a big player in that space. Exactly. Uh, ESPN is a big player in exactly. that space. They provide the platform, but it is American football. So yeah. I like what you're saying in terms of you're taking that model and bringing it to the European side. but. When you say draft, I think that's what we're used to playing. I'm a, I want this player and that player, and no other people can have that exactly. player. Unique teams. Now, on the salary cap, it's you have a budget, and is are the prices of players in the sport tied to their actual prices and their salaries in the real world? <laughs> no. Huh. That's, no, okay. no. No, no, no. It's, it's tied to how well they will perform. Or I'll give you an example, right? I mean, this is a little tough. Um, I don't know if you guys know soccer so well. well, well the, pretend we do. Yeah, yeah right? We're going to pretend. pretend. So the best player in soccer uh, right now, 
um, in the Premier League is Aguero. Okay, so uh, let's say that you have a hundred million dollars and you need to build a team of fifteen players. Aguero is going to cost you thirteen or fourteen dollars. That's a lot of money when you have to be building a team of fifteen players, right? He's already taken, um, you know, thirteen percent of of, of mm-hmm, your. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So all the players then have a certain value based on how much. Um, the Premier League or any salary cap have uh, provider have basically set to what um, their capabilities are and mm. how many points they'll get you each week. Um, but it's the same across the board, right? So Aguero is going to cost the same for all of us or anybody in the whole world, um, and we're all going to have the same amount of money. So basically, everybody's going to pick up Aguero. Like, why wouldn't you? Okay, he's so a, there the, can be many many teams with the same player, and almost yeah. every team will have that player huh. because. To leave out the best player in the game is like asking to lose. <laughs> yeah, right, right, um, right. So you figure it out. So that when, once you go down the list of your players, it starts to get a little bit different in salary cap. But usually um, many of the players are the same. And by the end of the season, once you see how players are doing, because the Premier League is 38 weeks, teams become very similar. And you see, um, you know, of, of the 15 players and 11 of them are starting each week, You'll see like six or seven of the same across you know hundreds of teams, whereas with draft that can't happen. Right, because everybody um, has to. Have we have separate league exactly. So instead of playing with four million people in one league, we play with eight people um, with in each league and like twenty thousand leagues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so you're actually you know offering a, a different set of let's say criteria to play draft football. Yeah, football. well we. Well, fantasy football, right? Right, right, right? We're bringing the draft. We are the Yahoo Fantasy Sports of the Premier League. Of the European <laughs> Yeah, of the English or Premier football, League. football, yes. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Well, let's, let's get back to David. I mean, so Virtual Fantasy League, you said something that I thought was that I thought was interesting. You said you're trying to gamify this space, but it's gaming. So uh, gamifying gaming sounds like an interesting combination. combination <laughs> but you did you say that you wanted to make it similar. And as you can listen to Bert and I struggle to wrap <laughs> our brains around this, are you saying that your approach at Virtual Fantasy League is to perhaps make it a little l- more like a casual game for people like us? Correct. So we're, we're appealing to the casual, the mass market. So uh, when I mean gamify, so think of fantasy sports as a hobby, um, people do it for a very long time. The average life uh, span of a fantasy sports player is nine years. So people do um, this hobby for a while. So um, it's it, it all started with spreadsheets and people keeping track of statistics from a newspaper. And, and by gamifying it, what we're doing is we're taking the, the complexity out of it. And we're saying, okay, let's take elements of what goes on in this hobby and let's just try to make a game that everybody can play. If you are interested in sports or if you have some kind of interest or you have no time um, or you used to play, but now, you know, you have kids or you're busy with work, all these kinds of things, we're creating a casual platform where there's no commitment. So you two could get into a match this Sunday and then forget about it afterwards. You mm, can just okay. find out who wins. So, so the theory is that <clears throat> if you were a, a serious player, you would actually be studying all the stats of the players that are part of the team. And most conscientious players would be able to recite what those stats yes. are, right? Yes. And that is, a, in essence, a barrier to entry to, in, your, in your sort of business model to a lot of people who might be interested in playing. Definitely. It's very difficult to learn. It's very time-consuming. The average 
fantasy player spends over nine hours per week researching. Mm-hmm. That's it? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, a minimum nine yeah. hours. Yeah, minimum nine hours. <laughs> I, and they, I believe and I know they, some people like that. And they play on five to six different platforms. So our platform is also for the hardcore, but it allows the hardcore to play with the less hardcore. So the casual yeah. player. So the hardcore will still play on the, let's say, a purist platform like Luki's, but then he can also play, think of it like a video game guy. He can play on his Xbox, he can play on whatever, and then ours is like Nintendo. We're making a simple game for everybody to play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're talking to David Yu of Virtual Fantasy League and Luki Gigi of Draft Fantasy Football. And they are companies in Blue Startup's eighth cohort of companies now underway. If you've got a question about this space, as we obviously do, or about getting into a business and starting up a company, this is the show to call in, 941-3689, or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll also check you on Twitter. Now, Luki, let's get to the startup side of this conversation. We invited you because you are part of the latest group of companies brought into Blue Startups, again, a mix of local companies and companies from outside Hawaii. Uh, broadly speaking, how did you hear about Blue Startups, and why did you say, this is something I want to bring my company into? So um, I should start out by first saying that my company is based in Tel Aviv, Israel. Hmm. Um, it's where I live. It's where my partner lives. Um, and so the question, yeah, you know, we've been asked this a lot. Why come, you know, to the other side of the world? First of all, you have the most beautiful beaches in the world, so <laughs> it's very hard to say piece. no. Yeah, right. It's very hard to say no to Honolulu. Um, no, but more importantly, um, you don't get the opportunity to learn from the makers of Tetris very often and the marketers of Tetris very often. Um, you don't get the accessibility to the Asian markets, which is very, very big for soccer right now. Hmm. Um, very often, uh, blue startups opened up doors that especially for us and in the fantasy world, we may not have been able to find anywhere else. Um, there, there's a unique, uh, there's a, a unique opportunity for us here, and, and we decided to go for it and capture it uh, to the best of our abilities. Well, well that- you mentioned, uh, sorry, Asia's interest in European soccer or football. I, I wasn't even aware of that. How, how is that measured? <laughs> so... According to the Premier League website, there are 1.5 billion fans of the Premier League. Uh, the estimates are that over a billion of them actually live in Asia. We're talking about China, Japan, Korea, huh. India, um, Thailand. In fact, China, the I forgot his name. Don't judge me. The president of China um, actually has made it one of the goals of China to reinstitute soccer as, like, as their main sport. Um, he's almost he's basically made it mandatory for for you know um schools to be built with soccer as a like a core sort of curriculum um so they really are trying to push soccer they're buying some of the biggest players for some of the most amount of money um and um we're seeing a big push in asia um, which is good for us. So you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, originating from Tel Aviv, and Tel Aviv has a pretty vibrant tech community. Is that correct? Oh yeah, it's and huge. so so when second to Silicon Valley, I would say. I would not disagree <laughs> with you. And the thing is, for you to actually find uh, an accelerator like Blue Startups, I mean, was there something something that keyed you into this opportunity? What was it that that sort of, you know, pointed you you in this direction? Huh. 
So um, I guess we're going to do a little shout out to F6S. Um, they're a, a platform where oh, you right. basically you apply to different startups or different, uh, I mean, different accelerators um, or different funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sent us a message about Blue Startups. Okay. Okay. So they were kind of a, you know, they, they kind of aggregate a bunch of accelerators and exactly, they, they sort of send you one. Exactly. That, yeah. um, it was also perfect timing because my partner and I had both gotten out of the Israeli army. Huh. Um, and even though Israel does have this huge um, tech industry, um, many of the focuses in that industry are are not sports or fantasy sports. Um, a lot of it has to do with security, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. uh, cybersecurity, fintech, mm-hmm. ag tech. Um, they they do have there are fantasy sports companies there um, and sports companies there. Um, some of the biggest are actually some of our partners. One hundred one great goals. Um, but they don't have the the they don't have the understanding of fantasy sports like America does mm-hmm. in general. The con- like Israelis don't play fantasy like Europeans or like Americans do. So um, that in and of itself was a was a big advantage. Also, interesting. Well, now, I, yeah, I, I need to find out more. How about you know why did you uh, coming out of the Israeli army you know love to do something in fantasy sports? But but David, <laughs> <laughs> you know how did you uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about your background in terms of uh, you know virtual fantasy league and where do you originate from? Uh, virtual fantasy league. We're originally from Vancouver, Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, we were actually um, down in Silicon Valley in Founder Space, the accelerator there. And through some mentors there in that program, we had actually uh, made a connection with uh, shout out to Jared Cushy, who's the program yes. d- uh, director there at. Uh, Startups, and we had a phone call with him, and we thought it was uh, a meet and greet, which is pretty typical mm-hmm. uh, with startups. They may be interested in, in beginning the interview process, and um, we were su- pleasantly surprised to see to hear that they still had room in their in their cohort. So we came down here right away, and we were able to do that because I have roots here in Hawaii. So uh, my mom and my sister live here, so I was able to come last minute and couch surf. So. That's well, I, we, I hear from <laughs> some of your your partners that uh, you guys are all couch surf- yeah, we're surfing all. <laughs> on your mom's uh, uh, you know uh, couch there. And my sister has been very very gracious. So, oh, that's yeah, good. That's yeah. good. So it was a pretty short term that brought you here, and it was a, a, a chance encounter, a crossing. Um, but do you in, now? How many weeks are you into the Blue Startups? Program? Two and a half weeks. We yeah, we thought about it very carefully. I mean, it, we it was last minute, but uh, we're like we said before, we're gamifying fantasy sports. So who better than Blue Startups? Uh, Hank Rogers, mm-hmm. and uh, he is, he is actually our lead mentor. So we just met with him today. Uh, fantastic guy. So he's totally helping us uh, with our process here. So. Well, very good. I, and, you know, Luki, I want to talk to you a little bit about how did you go from, you know, Israeli army to <laughs> fantasy football. So we will get to that question. want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with David Yu and Luki Gigi about fantasy football. And fantasy sports. Of course, we'd love to hear from you, too. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us from the neighbor islands toll-free at 877-941-3689. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Hi, this is Ray Cruz inviting you to join me on Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 for Latin Beat. I'll be playing classic Afro-Cuban Latin jazz, Latin big band classics, and share the latest releases in Latin jazz. That's Latin Beat every Wednesday night from 8 to 10 here on HBR2. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. 
See you then. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Carol S. Pearson, author of Persephone Rising, Awakening the Heroine Within. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about transforming our lives through transforming our stories. Sunday morning at 11. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Kaiser Permanente and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to David Yu and Luki Gigi about accelerating their business startups at Blue Startups and the opportunities available with Fantasy Sports. And, of course, you can give us a call. That number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, of course, right before the break, uh, we were talking about, you know, how these uh, young folks got involved with uh, <laughs> fantasy football and, and uh, sort of this uh, so fantasy league. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by, uh, Luki, your, I guess, path from the Israeli army into sort of this fantasy football world. Is, this, is that something that you were kind of interested in just as a, as a young, young man growing up in the Army? Or, um, Well, we should start off, I guess, by saying that I'm a huge fantasy sports fan. Um, I've been playing for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say playing, I'm, right now I'm in four leagues. When he says nine hours a week, I'm that. <laughs> um, and it happened to be, you know... Um, so when I first moved to Israel about two years ago, I moved into an apartment, and it happened to be that my ro- my roommate built out this game uh, for for fantasy soccer for the Premier League. Um, I was in business school at the time. He was in the army. He actually did a longer service than I did as a uh, programmer for a special tank unit. And um, basically, I finished up business school, and then I was going into the army. He still had more time in the army, but we were still living together. Um, and while we were in the army, we decided we're going for it. Um, we had a huge boost um, in signups. We've actually grown um, from 3,000 users to 60,000 users in oh. 14 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, so we were like, this is it. We got we to gotta take this to the next level. So now we're taking it to the next level. Very good. <laughs> and David, was your path to starting Virtual Fantasy League from just a personal interest saying, hey, if I love this so much to do it for fun, why not make a business out of it? Yes. I mean, I've been a coder, programmer for over 15 years, and uh, I actually have worked with my team on and off for 10 years combined. Mm-hmm. And a couple of us are diehard fantasy players, and two aren't. So we realized that there was a need for some kind of platform, especially because um, as one of our co-founders uh, you know, had a child and he couldn't play fantasy anymore, he started doing like a text game instead between him and all of his friends and realized that there's a real big social component. Uh, what we've done before is also started China's biggest bilingual social network. Um, that was in 2013, 2011 to 2013. So we have a background in social networks. Mm-hmm. So that's a part of our game. It's definitely mm. a social mobile experience that we're trying to bring. Mm-hmm. So. No. Well, uh, Luki, you talked about your fast user growth. That's certainly one of the major metrics in trying to determine the success path for a startup. Uh, so 
bring us up to speed on your business model. Are you charging people to play? Is it advertising-based? Is it access-based, subscription-based? Uh, how, how is uh, your business going to make revenue? Monetization. Um, so right now, we do have a little bit of ads. We offered premium options um, in the form of what's it's called an auction draft, right? So what I described before is a snake draft. There's also an auction draft where you bid on players. Um, so we charged money for that. Um, but going forward, the plan is to build out weekly games where we do drafts every single week, right? So um, we would play against each other um, by drafting five players at the beginning of, let's say, um, Sunday, which is um, well Sunday and Saturday are when games are played um, in the Premier League. So both those days, either one of those days, um, you draft five players. Whoever wins, wins. Um, and we would uh, allow people to place money on these games, um, and we would take a cut. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, is there anyone in the regulatory realm that would consider that gambling? Um, well, we do need a U.K. gambling license. Okay. okay. The majority of our users are in the U.K. Um, the majority of our user base is in Europe. Um, you know, uh, when I say user base, I meant my market. Um, so gambling is more um, accepted there. Um, in America, we would not use the term gambling. Fantasy sports is not gambling. It is um, skill based. It's a skill based game. <laughs> um, and sixteen percent of our users are in the U.S., so it also is a you know an intriguing market for us. Mm-hmm. And um, we will probably um, enter that as well. The there are uh, competitors in the market, but we plan to do – it's called Daily Fantasy Sports, what I just described. It's a huge, booming industry with two major companies, DraftKings and FanDuel. They're both uh, worth over a billion dollars, um, what we would call unicorns in the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're, we plan on doing to them what we did to the free game, um, which is um, draft. They're both salary cap style games. Um, there are very few, actually, there are basically no draft daily fantasy sports companies. Um, and we've seen the success in the free game, and we really believe that there's uh, a huge opportunity to take it into the cash games. And I like that weekly shakeup, too, because with the salary cap and building a team that way, you're right. By the end of a season, everyone's got the same team with the same players on it. So I can see that differentiation. So, David, uh, for Virtual Fantasy League, for gamifying it, for making it easy to get in and easy to get out, uh, what's your business model? Um, our business model, our, our mission is to spark and spread the love of sports, you know, one game, one day at a time. So our goal is to make it accessible to everybody. So by doing so, um, we definitely don't focus on wagering at all. Um, I myself am not a person that wagers, but I love fantasy sports. So actually, we make money through in-app purchases. So we want to make it accessible to everybody. And then the people that are really excited and the people that are really engaged in the platform, they'll be the ones that actually use the platform more, have more games, maybe lose more, maybe want to enhance their lineup more by adding more buffs, adding more superpowers to their players. Mm-hmm. Um, so we make money by mon- uh, in-app purchases. Okay, so the I was going to ask you, in terms of the in-app purchase, uh, it's it's... Something that they can, like, you know, if you're, I don't know, um, 
if you have any kind of game and you want to add more power to your player, that's something that you could buy as an extra add-on. Yes, so definitely it's 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 adding. A, we call them buffs. So mm-hmm. tra- we're going after that name. So basically, it uh, it's some some kind of bonus to that player. We're also going after something called nerfs, where basically you can do something to your opponent. Um, thirdly, we're also looking at a handicap system where basically you would, um, if you're a more experienced player, kind of like golf, you could give you could choose less uh, skilled players, and if you still win, there'd be a multiplier to the, your result. So that's how we're, we're gamifying it. And when you're doing this, you're all using the same currency. So the more you play, the more you lose, or the more you want to enhance or use things against your opponent, uh, you'll start running out of this currency. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when you want to top up, then the people that really find a value to, to, to our platform, they'll be the ones that will be purchasing you know, micropayments. So you know, $2 here, $5 there, $10 there. So. Right, mm-hmm. because even in a casual game, sometimes there's, a, in other games, sometimes there's a level you just can't get past and you figure it's worth 99 cents exactly. just to skip to the next one. I should ask, when you talk about your platform, is this web-based, is it mobile-based, is it both? Yes, we're in the app. We're we're an app only. So we're an app in the app store right now. Our Apple only or both? Uh, no, just Apple right okay. now mm-hmm. because we're still refining the gamification. So what we're doing is something totally new. So what we're trying to do is, is figure out all the right metrics to make sure it's balanced properly. Uh, we're using football right now to finish off. We're going to practice more with basketball and, and baseball and then really go for our big launch come September next year. Now, Luki, in terms of uh, your competition, and you identified a couple of companies that are, you know, billion-dollar companies that are in that space. But what, what's to prevent them from kind of looking at your model and saying, "Hey, you know, maybe these young guys they got a, they got something going. Maybe we could we should build something with, like what they've done, and you know, <laughs> you know, challenge the, and even um, potentially obsolete you." So, they got the resources, right? Yeah. So I'm going to start off by saying actually what my partner said. Uh, we did a pitch. Uh, last week and um somebody said oh FanDuel might want to buy you and then we said well my partner said well we may want to buy FanDuel (laughs) um so no the real um the the thing is with them it's it would go against their business model to build out a free game it's how we started we didn't start as a business we started as a hobby Mm -hmm. so we don't plan on closing out our free game um so we look at that as a funnel um, so that in and of itself for them to build out doesn't really fit their business model. Hmm. Then once you go into the draft style of the game, it also they they're they're sort of set in their ways. They have a higher chance of going in, and we've seen it going into other markets and expanding into other sports than changing their entire game around wow. and trying to. Um, take their users who are playing salary cap and now try to convince them that draft is a better way to play. Mm-hmm. They they would sort of. They would need our user base even. Mm-hmm. They would need the people that really understand draft um, in order to have that jump start. Um, so, yeah, they, they do have the capital. They do have the means. Um, will they do it? I highly doubt it. And if they do do it, maybe we'd be the one push- purchasing them. Now, you know, in terms of the sports that you have selected, f- uh, football, soccer, you know, is, is, is the main one. Uh, are you considering like U.S. style football, baseball, basketball? I mean, how f- so, ice hockey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right now we're very focused. Um, we're very focused on the Premier League. We've shown our ability to expand into other leagues. We do have a game for MLS, DraftMLS.com. Um, we also had a game for the Euros, um, and we're building big partnerships in the football. When I say football, I mean soccer world. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of leagues there that are totally untapped. 
uh, La Liga in Spain, Serie A in Italy, Bundesliga in Germany, even out in Asia. Um, it's called the Super League in China. Um, these are huge markets. Where so the uh, would we say that we're not going to go into the American market? No. If it it's a right business decision and that's what we need to do and that's the right thing to do, we'll probably do it. Is that what we're focusing on right now? Not really. Okay. We're we're trying to get our niche and we're trying to hit it hard. So, David, I mean, to me, when you say that your sport, your your approach is more casual, more easy to get in. Um, on one hand, you might see competition from more serious uh, fantasy sports setups where it's a longer commitment. I can certainly see that barrier to entry, but it is also extremely popular. But also, I would imagine that you're competing with the general casual gaming space. Are there? Do you see other? people in your space specifically that uh, you're keeping an eye on? Uh, yes, definitely. I think um, we're not too concerned with the uh, real money wagering platforms. Uh, I think that as their regulation is, is settling in and they're being pushed to show skill-based gaming and we're doing things that are entirely chance-driven, uh, they can't even begin to enter our market. Um, what we're more concerned with is social mobile gaming companies, so you're exactly right. So a company like Zynga or, or Yahoo, uh, those kind of hybrid uh, platforms that may want to go in and gamify what they're doing and if they see that it works. What we do have is some intellectual property. So I've got a couple patents. I've invented a couple patents myself in social search technology. I've applied because I'm familiar with the process. Basically, we're creating um, patents to protect ourselves, to freedom to operate so they can't squeeze us out in that regard. So if they do enter the space... You know, we do have some protection to keep operating. Mm -hmm. So we're going down the IP route. So. Now, I'm wondering, uh, you both said that, uh, you know, joining Blue Startups, I mean, they have a good connection not only with uh, Hank Rogers in the gaming com uh, community, but also looking at perhaps potentially expanding into the Asia market. Uh, what do you see, what would be the ideal thing that would happen that would enable you to do that as a result of being a part of this accelerator? I think uh, be, being a part of the, they're doing uh, great things at Blue Startups. They're doing an East meets, East meets West uh, conference coming up. Mm -hmm. um, I think they have a, a good strategy to go into the Asian markets. Uh, just like fantasy, they're into uh, soccer or fantasy football. They're also very into basketball, which is something that we already do. Um, we really feel like uh, the key to winning the Asian market, though, is definitely uh, accessibility on the phone. So I, I, I still believe that. If, if someone were to do something like fantasy in Asia, uh, the most important would be uh, who you align yourself with in Asia because you definitely need to do that. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest uh, aligning yourself with the right platform, something like, uh, you know, Tencent or, you know, you know, get into WeChat or something like that. Like that would be a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, uh, yeah, you really have to be careful about who you want to get in bed with. Mm -hmm. Lucky, I mean, is that what you would hope to see happen with, opening up those Asia doors? Um, yeah, so like David said, East meets West is a, it's, it's a really big um, you know, opportunity for us. Um, I'll be straight with you. We really didn't know the Asian market so well. Our focus is Europe. Our focus is taking over the European fantasy world. Um, that being said, we're not going to turn our backs on the biggest fan base you know, for the Premier League. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it is tough. Um, especially without uh, a lot of knowledge into the Asian markets. Um, I totally agree with David in terms of building out the partnerships there, um, really getting some somebody who knows the market. Um, 
in China. China would be our main focus. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking into these options. And I think Blue Startups, um, you know, I just had a meeting today with Chinoa where um, there was somebody – um, who she knows who uh, connected them to the Asian market. So, oh, uh, you know, um, it's good to, to network and branch out. So, you know, the the million-dollar question is, so when you hit maybe the billion-dollar question, when you hit the billion dollars, you become the unicorn, both of you. <laughs> what role does Hawaii play in that now unicorn reality of yours? Um, well... Number one, it's where we got our start. You know, a startup has to have a start somewhere. Part of the story. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a big part of the story. Um, not only that, it is east east meets west. I mean, if if it does happen to be that that we branch out to the east and it's successful, we're gonna need a, you know an American location. Um, and what better place than paradise? I like that, okay. uh, David. Yourself? Myself? Yeah, I have roots here. Like I said, I. I I'm, I'm not a coach. local. Yeah, I'm not a local company, but I grew up in Hawaii. I, I come here every year. Um, I would love to establish an office here. I was also just at the Entrepreneur Foundation uh, event uh, last week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I truly believe what they're saying. I think um, looking at tech and making it a, a future for Hawaii would be great. It's it's sustainable. It, it's 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 a great industry uh, beyond you know hospitality. So I think uh, I would definitely try to to set something up here. So where can we find more information about your your site? Uh, you can find us, our website, www.virtualfantasyleague.com, and we are in the App Store if you want to take a look at our MVP. Fantastic. And, and Luki? Luki? Um, so our website is www.draftfantasyfootball.co.uk, but an easier way to look us up is just to type in draft. Fantasy Premier League, and we'll be one of the top ones on Google. Fantastic. Very good. We'll put that up on our show notes. And, of course, David Yu is with Virtual Fantasy League, and Sam Gigi is over at Draft Fantasy Football. And, of course, uh, we want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you a lot. We really appreciate it. Yeah, mahalo. 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 And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we're going to talk about workforce development and the prospects for IT jobs in Hawaii. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkcafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is Rob Carlisle, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we'll leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's the L.A. band, Local Natives, and a song called Wide Eyes. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.